my purpose as an entrepreneur is to change the narrative of women and to inspire and empower women to be the very best versions of themselves. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, so today we have Aisha Addo, who created her own powerful non-for-profit organization called Power to Girls Foundation and her own drive-sharing app for women called Drive Her. Through these two mediums, Aisha focuses on ensuring girls around the world are provided with the guidance and resources that help them identify their true purpose and calling to reach their full potential. Thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. That was a nice introduction. I right? know, right? I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> he did his research. <laughs> All right. So let's start from your beginnings. Okay. Let's start from the beginnings, the raw beginnings. The beginnings. Okay. You weren't born in Canada, right? No. I was born in, on the motherland, 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 motherland. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Ghana. Um, I came to Canada when I was around 14 years old. Yeah. Just some years back. But yeah, what do you what do you want to know actually? So that I can cater it specifically to what your audience wants to know about my humble beginnings. Yeah, like how was it? So, you know, you were born in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, you moved down here when you were fourteen, but what was that experience like mm-hmm. coming to to a foreign country that you you know you never experienced? Wow. You know, though, it's really interesting because I always said that Canada was not necessarily my first choice, but it is a country that taught me about myself and really helped me come into my own. Um, came to Canada at the age of 14, like I said, and my very first experience of Canada was actually in high school. So imagine walking into your high school and recognizing that, wow, like I actually am in a different place. You know, I had, you know, I my very first experience encounter actually was with a couple of girls and I walk into the school and then they see me they're like oh you look new I'm like yeah where are you from and I said Ghana and then you know they they asked me these weird questions and the one that really stuck with me was do you speak English and I'm like <laughs> we're having a conversation in English right now you know yeah um and then they went on to tell me all of the things that they've heard about Africa Mind you, not Ghana, but Africa. Oh, I heard you guys live on trees. I heard you guys, you know, live in huts and you have pet goats and like all of these different things. And for me, it was like, wow, like I'm coming from a place where, I mean, it's, it's, it's a total different experience from what these people are accustomed to, um, specifically for people that come from Africa. So I came around a time where there was a lot of hatred for Africans like Mm -hmm. you know even to the point where my teacher like my math teacher every time when he was doing the attendance would ask me if I brought my pet goats to class that day and your teacher my teacher wow you know and he would laugh about it like you know he would see me in the hallways and he would repeat the same thing and I recognize that that really and truly can cause you to hate your your background. It can cause you to really, you know, wish that you were from somewhere else. 
And it wasn't until I left Ghana that I actually really and truly recognized, wow, like Ghana taught me a lot. And there's so much lessons and there's so many things that I took for granted when I was there. But now that I'm out of there, it's like, damn, like this, this, this is a different world, you know? So, I mean, there's, I have stories for days. Like if I start, we're not going to get off here, but <laughs> you know, I think. The underlining thing is, you know, coming to this country, having the culture shock like any immigrant. But then more than that, sort of recognizing that, yes, I am from Ghana. I am not in Ghana right now, but everything that I do, everything that I experience here is to make not only me better, but my my country better, you know? So I always say that Canada is my is it, it's it's my university it's my place of learning it's my pl- place of like coming into my own and recognizing my own power and like you know all the things that i can do so yeah yeah interesting. that was what that was like yeah <laughs> interesting so you know even being in that environment that's yeah. pretty rough you know what i mean Definitely. experiencing you know all these people with certain ideologies about mm-hmm. ghana and, and africa how did you come out of that how did you you know go to school every day honestly i think it was just i ended up sticking with guineans <laughs> yeah so you know i think once you you're getting a different experience so you're getting a different understanding of how people view you how people view your country or like where you're from or basically your background and your identity because ghana makes up 100 percent of my identity right that was where i was born that was where i was brought up um, so it was really just sticking to people that you know and people that really understand the struggle and understand the things that you're experiencing as well. Um, and I think for me, that was really amazing. Not that like, you know, I exclude myself from other communities and other activities and stuff like that. Like, I think I was also very active. Like in high school, I, I mean, multicultural every year, like, you know, want to be involved because I really wanted to hold that part of myself. Like I really didn't want to forget where I came from because I think one of the words that my dad told me when I was leaving Ghana, and it's something that he always repeats every time we speak. And I didn't recognize how important and how vital it was until, of course, until you get older. And it was like, never forget your roots and never forget where you come from. So for me, that's always sort of like the grounding thing is that when I see myself, getting lost or getting caught up in society's ideas or all of these different things. It's like, no, Aisha, come back to yourself. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you come from. You know, so I think that was what really and truly kept me going and really connecting myself to that, like to Ghana as much as I can. And like I said, I didn't really appreciate Ghana until I left. So mm-hmm. yeah. They always say you don't appreciate the things until they're gone, right? Yeah. Damn right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> One more thing. You said that um, you left Ghana without your dad. No. Like, did you come to Canada by yourself? I came to Canada by myself, yes. Um, well, I came to Canada alone. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily alone in the sense where, like, you don't have anyone. But I came and I was with my my aunt. I'm living with her for some time. Um, yeah, and, like, my mom, dad, brothers, they're all in Ghana um, so it was definitely a different, it was a different experience for me personally, 
because you know you're used to having your family around all the time and like yes you have like extended family but it's not the same when you know it's just it's just not the same experience and it's not the same as to having you know your parents physically here with you i mean they we communicate every single day we talk every single day but yeah okay interesting mm-hmm. so you know starting your own business is that something that was always in your mind even throughout no. high school or no <laughs> so after high school where did you what was your next venture uh what was my next venture i mean so now that I look back, I think entrepreneurship was something that was always there. It was something that I always thought about now that I look back. But in that moment, it wasn't necessarily, I didn't live my life in a way where I planned to become an entrepreneur. Like I always say that I'm an accidental entrepreneur because it was something that I sort of fell into. Um, I studied accounting at George Brown for Three or so years, I hated it with every single fiber of my being. But so, why'd you get into it? <laughs> so, th- this is the thing I always loved math, I always loved solving problems. That was something that was very second nature to me. Um, but then I remember finishing high school and sort of like asking myself, What the heck am I gonna do in college or university? and I always thought, you know what, I would, I would love to be a shrink, like, you know, like a therapist or whatever. I love, I love solving problems. I, I loved, you know, hearing people talk about challenges that they face and being able to provide them or help them with solutions. Like that was something that I naturally enjoyed doing. I am a very curious person. So I always like to ask questions. Like I'm forever asking questions, even to the point where like, when I meet someone, I'm like, listen, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, but if you, at whatever point you become irritated by that, just let me know and I'll stop. But that was just, I was always curious. Um, so I remember having a conversation with my dad and I'm like, you know, I love math. Um, I mean, I enjoy math. I'm good at it. Um, high school is almost over. I don't know what's next. And he's like, well, what about accounting? I'm like, you know what? You're right. I took accounting when I was in high school. It was easy enough. It was enjoyable. Like, I loved it. I'm like, hey, and who doesn't like money, right? (sighs) But then it was like, do I want to be counting people's money for the rest of my life? Do I want to be helped? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was, it was interesting. So first year, I'm like, okay, this is not bad. Second year, I'm like, oh my God, I need to get out of this. I do not like this. Um, But then I think the defining moment for me was when, one of my professors came to class and he's like, you're not going to need anything that I'm teaching you here today because it does not apply to the real world. However, I am required to teach it because it's part of the curriculum. And I just looked around the classroom, just trying to see if anyone else caught what this man just said, like we're paying tuition and you're telling us that nothing that we're learning is applicable to the real world. So why are you teaching it to us? And I was just like, wow, like, that's it. Like, I really hate this. I really hate this. But then prior to that, I had started Power to Girls, actually. But at that time, it wasn't called Power to Girls. It was called My Sister and Me. And um, essentially, it was meeting with girls from my church every Friday. And, you know, we would talk. We would laugh. We would cry. 
and just really talk about anything that they were experiencing at that time. Because for most of them, they were going into high school. I had just left high school. I was in college trying to still figure out what I wanted to do in my life. But it was something that I realized that I was good at and I really enjoyed doing. Um, yeah. And that was really how Power to Girl started. It's just, you know, I, I, I remember I was at church one day and this young girl came to church and this elder, I'll say elder in the sense of like an older lady just really started like screaming at her and like shaming her and saying, Oh, the skirt she's wearing is too short. Like, you know how Guinean people yeah. <laughs> are and all of these things. So the girl started bawling her eyes out. She was crying. So I just look, I'm just, I went to her and I'm like, listen, it's okay. I understand, you know, just don't listen to what she's saying, you know? And I told her, Hey, on Friday, I'm bringing all of the girls, the young girls together. Do you want to come? You know, and we're just going to talk. And really and truly, that's how it started. And it was six girls, six young girls. And they came together and then we just started having conversations. We started talking and, you know, we talked about everything from our parents and how they do not understand us to church and how they do not understand. So like everything that you can basically think of. And yeah, accidental. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think it's, I wouldn't even say it's accidental. You know what I mean? I feel like in this world, there's opportunities that pass us by all the time. Definitely. You know what I mean? And Definitely. it's sort of up to us to sort of grab those opportunities. I think you grabbed the opportunity. I don't think it was accidental. Well, what I, I like to say accidental in the sense that like, I think, and that's something that I always say about purpose and passion is that your passion will always make way for you. Like this was something that personally, I just genuinely loved solving problems, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I guess I didn't look at accounting as an opportunity to solve problems, but I seen something that I could relate to in the sense that like I came to Canada and didn't really have any mentors of my own. I didn't have anyone that I could go to and say, this is what I'm thinking right now. These are all the questions that I have. These are the things that I feel like, you know, I need support with. Um, so if I didn't get that, why can't I create that same opportunity for someone else? Why can't I create that opportunity for the younger ones? And then I realized that specifically for young girls, like there's a lot of things that you're open to. There's a lot of things that you're vulnerable to. And a lot of times we, and I'll say specifically, like even in the Ganyan community is that like, it's harder for people to recognize that like, yo, I need to talk to my daughter. Like I need to ask her what's going on. Like those simple conversations do not happen. Communication, you know, like, communication yeah. is horrible. Horrible. So for me, it was like, wow, like you're an elder. Like even just using the, like the story from the beginning, it's like you're an, you're an older woman. As an older woman, what would you say to your younger self? Like, even if it's your daughter, like, you know what I mean? What would you say to her? And just being in the Ghanaian church and just, I recognize that a lot of times people talk to other people's children. Like, they always want to discipline other people's children rather than their own. Yeah. <laughs> and that really irritates me because it's like, wait, but auntie... Your daughter does worse. Like, you know what I mean? Check her first. Then you can come and have a conversation with me. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm a very rebellious child. Like, I mean, I think my parents have already accepted me for that. But I'm the kind of person that tell me all of the things that I shouldn't do. And I'll do it, one, to get on your nerves. 
or two, like you have to give me a valid reason as to why I don't need to do this. And I realized that for a lot of, a lot of like people from African descent and a lot of people from our culture is that they talk at you, not really to you, you know? So we don't tell younger girls, we don't tell people, okay, well, the stove is hot. Don't touch it. Instead of saying the stove is hot, don't touch it. They'll just say, don't touch it. Mm Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, well, why shouldn't I touch it? You're not giving me all the information, right? Give me all the information so that I can make an informed decision. They never do that. It's like, don't touch it. Why? Because I said so. Um, no. Why shouldn't I touch it? The stove is hot. Because if you say the stove is hot, don't touch it. I'm not going to touch it because you've already you've given me the full information. But we don't do that, right? So you'd have things like, oh, you know, you cannot wear long earrings and you cannot wear pencil skirts. And I'm just like, but why? You just can't. But why? And then he because gets, you I can't said ask questions. So. Like, you, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's sort of like, it was, it's toxic in a way. And I realized that a lot of young girls were really and truly just having trouble with that. And you know how Guineans are. It's like, the moment you question an older person, it's like, oh, you're so disrespectful. Don't call me disrespectful. My mom doesn't even call me disrespectful. Like, you know what I mean? And I mean, it sounds rude or it sounds disrespectful. (laughs) But really and truly, like, look at all of the instances whereby we're not given the full information and people end up making really horrible choices because you're not giving me the full information. So, yeah, I digress. But, yeah. And just in short, to summarize that, what, what solution is there for that? Communication. Like, active active listening and communication you know and this is something that like i always i always try this even with my mom where like we're having a conversation and i'm just like okay you have to, like I, I even have to remind myself that like okay no you have to really listen to what she's saying and all the things that she's not saying right and you know i'll just be like okay so this is what you're saying to me and then she'll say yes or no or and like really actually having that conversation I think a lot of times our parents raised us the way they were raised. And there's a lot of um, instances where people just talk at them and not really to them. And they don't really try to understand. You know, one thing that for me personally, I picked up at a very early age is that in order for you to be understood, you have to understand other people And if you're not actively doing that, you're not actively seeking to understand other people, you're not going to be understood because communication is a two-way street, right? Uh And this idea of, you know, I'm I'm the older person and I'm the elder, so, you know, whatever I say goes. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for mentorship and I'm all for, like, you know, that sort of, like, knowledge exchange but it has to be in a way that benefits both parties. Like you do not have communication by one person just talking and then the other person just agreeing and then moving away. Communication is like, it it goes both ways. Like, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think active communication and just people being intentional and actually listening to what younger people have to say is because, you know, and also vice versa, like young people also listening to what their parents are saying and like listening with an open mind and recognizing that they have been through a whole lot of stuff that I have not seen yet. 
and they're also speaking from their experiences, their traumas, their triggers, their their knowledge, and all of these different things that make up who they are as a person, right? So once you're able to break that up, you're able to get to the core of who or what anyone is, and then you're able to understand them more. Because, I mean, after having several conversations or like even just talking to my mom and to my dad and to like my siblings, I know that, okay, when this person says this, this is what it is. Like, you know, and it's also knowing yourself enough to know what you can handle and what you cannot handle. You know, like I have two brothers. One, they're both annoying as hell. Um, they actually are. And like, they would annoy you and say, and you're like, you're being really annoying. And it's like, yeah, I know. So why are you doing it? Because I want to annoy you. So if like he keeps saying that to me, I know for a fact that when he does anything, it's just to irritate me and to annoy me. So would I keep, you know, like giving him power to do that? No, of course not. Cause now when they come, you know exactly what it is, but. We see all the things that our parents are and all the things that our parents are not. And for some reason, it's hard for us to just accept them as they are. Acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, with all the young girls that you interact with yeah. on a regular basis, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you see in them that they may not see in themselves? Wow. That was a lot. Now I'm just going to think about all of my girls. <laughs> I mean, I think one thing that is universal is they are so capable. And it's not even just the young girls that I work with, but like young people in general are so capable and are so, they're capable. Like they're capable of doing so much. But sometimes because of fear and because of the experiences of our parents or the experiences of other people, we're, we're afraid of actually walking in that purpose and walking in that capacity, you know? So you'd have someone that has an amazing, let's say, let, let me use like has an amazing voice and has the capability of like really just changing people's lives or touching people's lives with your voice. And then your parents would say, no, that's not going to make you money and you need to go to, like, you need to get an education, for yeah. instance. Um, and I see that a lot. I see, like, not even just here, but, like, even in Ghana where parents will say, no, like, this is not, like, this is not for you. You know, I don't want you to do this because of this. I don't want you to do this because of that. Live through their kids. Like, you, know, you know what I mean? And then it becomes like a burden, you know, and you'd have people say, okay, well, I'm going to do this course. I'm really doing it for my mom. And then after I get the degree, I'm just going to go do what I really want to do. And it's like, wow, like, that's really interesting. So I think it's, it's really youth of today are so fearless. Um, but then, they are also fearless in sort of like a contained way. So you're fearless and you know all the things that you're capable of doing, but you don't because of all the other responsibilities that have been placed on you. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I see across the board, actually, not even just for young girls, but for yeah. Youth, yeah, youth in general. Interesting. Yeah. And what's the most rewarding thing working with youth in general for you? Oh, man. The rewards are countless. I think, I think one of the most exciting things for me is seeing 
seeing all of these girls grow. I mean, it sounds very cliche, but just seeing that I get to be a part of their journeys, like their individual journeys and their collective journeys. And yeah, like seeing how all of that, you know, like really seeing how there's like a part of me in each and every one of them. I mean, that sounds very creepy <laughs> when I say it like that, but like realistically speaking, like there, cause there's a part of me in each and every one of them. So it's like seeing a part of myself grow, you know? So if one is in social work, one is in nursing, one is in, you know, whatever it may be, it's like, wow, a piece of Aisha is here. Like, you know what I mean? And I think for me, that's the most rewarding part of it is seeing them grow, seeing them come into their own and just watching them conquer their individual worlds, you know, and just knowing that, wow, like I was a part of that journey, you know, that's, that's rewarding to me. There's a bunch of, uh, issues out there. There just... is a bunch of issues out there, y'all. Like it's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. We're going to take over the world soon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about your ride sharing app. Oh, what do you want to know? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. What what is it? What's the premise behind it? Okay. So just going back to my accidental life. Oh my god, God will be so disappointed <laughs> me calling my life accidental. But um essentially it it was something that um so so this is how it started. So there was a point in time where I was through my work with Power to Girls. I really and truly became a designated driver for my girls, mainly because I seen that there was a lot of like instances where they will probably stay on campus late and TTC's out and they had to take taxis. Like, you know what I mean? So there'll be times when sometimes I'll drop them home, you know, I'll pick them up, drop them off. Or like even just when they're going somewhere, I'm like, you know what? Just call me. I'll pick you up, whatever it may be. And I realized that I was doing that a lot, but then even before, like even after that, there was a time when I was scrolling through, I think it was Facebook, and I saw an article about a service that was specifically for women in India. And I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. So I, like, you're getting like the backstory. So for me, I was just like, wow, that's very interesting. This, I wonder if this is something that would work in Canada. So I actually just shared the article on our Facebook page. And I'm like, this is like, this is what, you know, female empowerment all the way, you know, excited, all that stuff. So then I went to my friend, I went to church and I was sitting down and like, I realized that like the pastor was preaching, like the word was good and everything. But then I was really and truly putting together a business plan. <laughs> like legit. <laughs> Entrepreneurs and, uh, are you know what I mean? Also... I'm just like, y'all like, huh and I'm like okay this is what it will be this is like you know like just putting things together and then I went to my friend I'm like yo so I have this crazy idea and he's like what's up and I'm like and I told him it's like that's dope like I think you should do it and I'm like yeah sure whatever so I told him about it he's like yeah I think you should do it I'm like whatever um so I I put it on the back burner and then I I like I was still thinking about it to be honest and then I was just looking I also just started looking around me and like recognizing that, wow, like, you know what? Looking back at the instances before I was driving, because at that point in time, I was already driving. So it was different for me then. But then remembering like, you know, incidents whereby like, you know, I was in a cab and it's like this taxi driver just started asking me like some really weird questions and like 
knowing that this person is taking me to my home and like, you know, so it sort of like brought that back and I'm like, huh? Okay. So I forgot about it. The funny thing though, is that like throughout my life here in Canada, I'd always, every time I go back home, like one thing that I always talk to my dad about is like, I want to start a taxi service. Like I want to start a taxi service in Ghana. It wasn't in Canada. Like I just wanted to start a taxi service. One, because taxi drivers are crooks and they would overcharge you for <laughs> anything. So I'm like, you know what? In Canada, right. we have like the media one. So I think bringing something like this to Ghana would be dope. You know, you'd have more control and, you know, people actually know exactly you know, where they're going. So when a taxi driver is like, oh, it's 50 cities, you're not going to be like, oh, it's going to be like, well, it says 50 cities of a meter. So I remember I went back home, like this was after I initially talked to my friend about it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back home. So I went to Ghana and I was in Ghana for a couple of, I was in Ghana for a couple of months or a couple of weeks. Who knows? I go to Ghana so often. I don't remember anymore. And I spoke to my dad. I'm like, I have this idea. And he's like, yeah, why don't you do it? And I was like, you just keep saying, do it, do it, do it. It's not that easy. Like, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, I think it's really dope. So I remember one night I was just like, I'll forget about it, but it's like, it just kept coming. So I was lying in bed one time and I just started doing research. So I just started doing all research to see, okay, well, is this something that is this, is is safety for women and issues? One. And two, is this something that people will actually use? So I'm like, yo, this is too much work. Like I started, I started doing the research. I did all that. So I'm like, no, this is too much work. And I found myself putting together a business plan. <laughs> you know, like I found myself like actually putting together a business plan and saying, okay, this is what it's going to do. This is all the things. And these are all the areas that we're going to tackle and all these things. And mind you, I'm coming from a very like social point of view with power to girls and like with every like every job that i've had has had like a social aspect to it you know so for me that's something that is super important super vital so i'm just like all right i guess i'm gonna do this so i came back to canada and i'm like okay this is an idea that was still really truly like going through my head like it was it was crazy i was just like i was trying to forget about it but it's like every instance you know there was something happening so I remember I came back in January and I had a friend that does sort of like business development and stuff like that. So I called him up. I'm like, yo, I have this crazy idea and I need you to help me flush it out. It's like, all right, cool. So I had another friend that was like, he was, he has already started his venture. And I'm like, I have this meeting scheduled with this guy. and We're going to be doing like a business development type of session. Are you in? He's like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So he comes and like, we spent like three hours. So we are both, so there's two of us. Well, there's three of us, including the business developer. And we're like, you know, putting everything together. And like, I'm like, yo, this is the idea. This is what I want to do. And then like, we're finding all the different channels, all the different things that we can do with the the service. And I'm like, this is really exciting, but this looks like it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hello, social work. Um, so I'm just like, all right, this seems exciting. So we all really excited. You know, when you have an idea and you're pumped about it, and you're like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. So I met up with one of my mentors and I'm like, I have this idea. And like, this is me. Like every time, like I have this idea. What do you think? And he's like, I think it's great. I think you should. And then she was telling me about this pitch competition that was happening. She's like, I think you should apply. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is still in the idea phase. So 
I applied. She's like, no, Aisha, apply. So I applied for this pitch competition. And let's say the pitch competition is tomorrow. I got a phone call today and they're like, hey, by the way, you're going to be pitching tomorrow. I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to be pitching tomorrow? They're like, yeah, we loved your idea. Like, you know, we think you should pitch. And the grand prize is like $5,000. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I asked them, like, how many people are going to be pitching like tomorrow? And she's like, four. I'm like, okay, no pressure. So I got there, arrived. It's the day of. And it was time for the pitch. And I'm like, how many people are pitching? And it's like, oh, it's just you and someone else. I'm like, oh, wow. okay. Okay. Sure. So I go on stage. I come up with like a little. And again, the thing was tomorrow. I was told today. Yeah. So there's not a lot of time for you to prepare. So I called the guy that helped me with my business development. I'm like, yo, this is what's happening. And he's like, you're going to be fine. Just hit on the things that we talked about. Da-da-da. I'm like, okay, fine. So, <laughs> yeah, just even thinking about this, it's crazy. Yeah. So I go and then I pitch. And the thing about this pitch session specifically is that the audience is the one that gets to decide who wins. Interesting. So there's no like bias. From there's judges. no bias. Yeah. You know, there's no like, you know, funny enough, the other person that was pitching was a guy. And he was pitching this like financial like he was something around fintech and i'm like that's really cool like honestly like i told him like oh that's really cool so lo and behold i ended up winning the five grand and then like i'm standing there and i'm like yo this is just an idea and i was standing there when the lady wrote the check like they wrote the check for it like right away and then just give it to like here you go congratulations and i'm just like holy schmucks now i actually really have to create this thing because this is someone's money and it's weighing heavily on my hand. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So that was, for me, that was like, that was the accountability and the push that really gave birth to drive her, I would say. So I'm standing there and you're talking about like, they're, they're like, okay. And I had women come like, that's so amazing. I cannot wait to use it. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> hello, <laughs> pause. It's still in the idea phase. And yeah, like that was really truly how it came about, you know, but every time there was like my girls, like just thinking about them, thinking about that experience. So funny enough. So still working on it, still working on it. And I'm like, yo, I want to see if people actually care about this because like the pitch competition was like a couple of hundreds of people. Let's see what the masks say. So I'm like, I'm going to send out a press release, send out a press release. (laughs) That's why I said accidental entrepreneur because everything that I do and did is not on the books. Like yeah. no incubator will tell you to take my steps because I'm crazy. <laughs> but yeah. And I sent out a press release and then it was like, okay, all these media stuff, all these people are like, okay, this is great. And then you have people messaging you, calling you, and then you're just like, wow. And don't get me wrong, it hasn't been rosy. It hasn't been like a smooth sailing process. But it's it's just really recognizing an issue and trying to provide a solution to it. And the funny thing is that like literally a week after we put it out there, that like this is something that we are thinking of putting bringing to Canada reports of assaults reports of like so like it just literally 
every single day after that for like let's say like about a month like assaults on women yeah yeah like and it's it, it was for me so i was just like huh yeah if you've read the alchemist it always says that like once you want something you desire something so much like the universe literally conspires with you for it to happen and i was just for me it was just like wow and like i said it hasn't been an easy road but that is the genesis of i'm so sorry i have literally talked of your ear but Talk off i'm just ear. like Talk. literally just thinking back at it and i'm just like we're all here to shrinks. listen like yeah it's been quite a journey okay yeah interesting yeah. so i mean with the influx of uber and lyft you know what i mean when you started this this app mm-hmm. was it in your mind at all wow i got these you know billion dollar companies that's always the question that people ask when they first you know hear of drive her is that oh but there's this there's that but i think one of the things that for sure like yes they have the resources yes they have the money but one thing that they don't have is a community and that's something Mm -hmm. that driver is trying to create is the community of women the community that is empowering women also providing job opportunities for women um providing trainings like all of these different aspects that is you know what driver represents or what driver stands for is not anything that they can compete with. And it's not anything that they can, you know, take from us. So I think with anyone that is st- trying to start anything, you know, having multi-billion dollar companies as competitors, it's only a competition. If you look at it as one, like, you Absolutely. know what I mean? Like you can allow that to cripple you. And sometimes don't get me wrong. It can be very hard on your, like meant on your psyche on your mind that like, down like there's all of these things but it's really how can you carve a space for yourself you know and focus on what you're doing the only person that you're competing with realistically speaking is yourself you know not anyone else so i think for us it's just recognizing that we're not competing with uber we're not competing with Lyft. we're just creating something that is providing a social change and a, like we're tackling a social issue you know, it's not just a tech company. It's not just a trans- transportation company. This is a social company. This is a social issue that we're trying to address. So, yeah, just staying true to that. Okay. Remembering the why. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's active now, right? We're launching in September. September. 20 this year. Okay. So where can our female listeners download the app? Well, in September, we're going to have it live. We're going to have it up. On all platforms, Google and iOS. Actually, that's not all platforms because not Microsoft, but <laughs> um, Google and iOS, they can download it. But in the meantime, they can always visit our website, be on our mailing list. And once we're up, we're live again, we would send it to them. Okay. Yeah. And before we move on to our purpose round, what advice would you give to a young woman or a woman in general um, who wants to start her own business, but they may have their family telling them to do something else. They may have their friends telling them to do something else. What advice would you give that individual? Because you've been in that situation <laughs> yourself, right? Yeah. Um, I'll say do it. Just do it. Like, honestly, because the only person you're accountable to, and this is not in any way supposed to be like rebellious, but the only person that you're accountable to is yourself. You know, um, your parents are here to guide you. Your friends... I don't know sometimes why they're here. You just have to ask yourself that. Why are your friends in your life, right? But realistically speaking, 
you know you better than anyone else. Um, and I think one of the things that, and it comes back to the whole communication thing, right? So like if specifically, like I wouldn't say your friends should not influence the decisions that you make for your life personally. Like if you're making hard decisions, I would not leave that decision to like what my friends are saying, especially if you're someone that like, you know, that your friends, you don't have like the best relationship with them. I wouldn't necessarily put my entire life decisions in their hands. But then going back to the parents part is that they've been there before. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of having that conversation with them, but really do it. If you care about it enough and you're passionate about it enough, do it. And you doing it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that once you start, everything is going to fall into place. No, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to make mistakes, a lot of them. But those are your lessons. Those are the building blocks to making you who you're supposed to be. So I'll say do it, you know, start where you're at. Like don't, because I think a lot of times entrepreneurship has become so glorified these days that like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Collaboration is so vital. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, but it's also recognizing what what makes you different. Not just that, but how are you, like, how is whatever it is that you're trying to do beneficial to you and the people around you? You know, sometimes you don't have to be, not everyone has to build a multi-billion dollar company. Sometimes it can just be, a 500,000 a year company. And as long as you're successful to you and you're bringing in profit to you, then that's all that matters. You know, entrepreneurship doesn't always come with a one size fits all. So if that's what you want to do and that's what you're passionate about, do it. Like just do it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just do it. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you. Whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to imkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask our entrepreneurs the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind their business and their entrepreneurial journey. What is your purpose as an entrepreneur? My purpose as an entrepreneur is to change the narrative of women and to inspire and empower women to be the very best versions of themselves. Yeah. Okay. What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? Meditating. How long do you meditate for? So, okay, so for the non-religious people, when I say meditating, like, really and truly prayer. Okay. And it's it's something that I do every single day. Like, I feel like every day I'm praying, communicating. And again, communicate. prayer is communication. Mm. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get technical, but prayer is communication. So it's really communication with my higher self, communicating with the universe, whatever you want to call it. But communicate prayer is very important to me. That's a daily habit that fuels that purpose yeah if you could have a conversation with one person living or dead who would it be and why oh my gosh jesus i hit you i hit you huh i hit you with the question i know (laughs) i know you know what 
that's always a hard one because it's so I think in this very moment my mind is saying like I'll say God of course but you know yeah <laughs> but um I'll say Paolo Coelho the author of The Alchemist the reason is because I feel like I want to like when you hear his story of how like The Alchemist is now like what the number one best selling book of all times and it wasn't like that. Like when they published a book, he was he only sold one copy. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I want to sit down with him and just see how his mind works. Like just just get deep into that. Yeah. Okay. So yo, if you're hearing me, <laughs> let's make it happen. He's not dead yet, so yes. yeah. I'm not trying to kill him either. Can you edit this right now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Oh, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. That's literally my motto now. But yeah, like Google Calendar, y'all. Google Calendar. Saves lives. Google Calendar. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Oh, worst entrepreneurial moment. I would say, like, I mean, it's like the high and the low. But um, I think it's really when, you know, people like either call or message and like I want to use your service or they tell me a story of like you know an incident that has happened to them and saying they want to use the service and I have to tell them sorry we're not live or sorry we're not taking rides right now like when I have to apologize to my customers that what we're providing is not available to them at the moment like I think that's the worst that's the worst feeling ever if you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars how would you leverage that how would I leverage that? Yeah. The hundred dollars? The hundred dollars. I would invest it. Where? I mean, depends, but I would invest that. Um, cause as much as, you know, we live in a day and age where yes, money is important, but knowledge is much more valuable than money. And when you have the right people and you have the right information, you can build any business from the ground up. It's just that money is just a tool that you use. And I'm just going to leave you guys with even a um, something that a friend told me recently. And he's like, you know what? All the money that you need and everything that you need is within you. It's up to you for you to cultivate it and for you to activate it. So I'll think of how can I activate this business rather than how can I make money off of this business? Or how can I, you know what I mean? How do I cultivate it? How do I make it everything that I want it to be? So, yeah. But $100, I'll invest it. Okay. Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? Oh, what's up? <laughs> oh, my God. What's up? What's up? Slack, Google, um, Google Calendar. Like, let's hear my phone, you know? <laughs> I mean, and of course, drive her app. But, yeah. But, yeah. Everything. Slack. WhatsApp, LinkedIn, Google Maps, Google, Google, everything Google. <laughs> and then I have a game called Two Dots on my phone that I just, when I want to unwind, I just play. Nice. And just, yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received? Never forget where you come from. Never forget your roots. Okay. List your top three most influential books. Top three most influential books. The Alchemists, for sure. 
Um, what have I been reading these days? Oh God. Too many to count, eh? Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> okay, so The Alchemists is one. That's one that I always remember because I read it continuously. Um, there was another book that was written by the co-founder of Tom's. Okay. Shoot. Okay. Um, and it was talking about creating a business, like leading people. I think it's it's called Minkai. Start with why? I don't remember. I don't remember the title of the book, but the premise was around building a company around social change. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, and then another book that I have rich have read recently. Oh man. I don't remember titles, you know, but I know what the books are about. It's okay if you yeah. can't recall. I'll say those two. Okay. I'll remember the title and then I'll probably text it to you All later right. on. Yeah. Sounds and good. And then my most, the most influential one is the one that I'm yet to write. Nice. So it's coming. Nice, soon. nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. <sighs> it's not that deep. <laughs> it's not that deep you know um sometimes it's not about the glorified solutions really and truly most of the times it's just the little things and mm -hmm. innovation does not mean technology absolutely yeah is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners stay true to yourself like do you you know don't get caught up in society and what it wants for you to become and what it wants you to do just Stay true to you, boo, and let your light shine. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you or follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, man. I'm on Insta stories every day. I need to stop, but I'm there every day. So follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Aisha Afua, A-I-S-H-A-A-F-U-A. And of course, on my personal website, AishaAdo.com. And Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Drive Her App, Power to Girls. Yeah, like, just Google me. <laughs> Google me. Google me. All right. Google me. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I, I talked your ear off. Nah, it's okay. Yeah. That's, that's what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> Thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose. So all your actions are clear. Peace. Oh, I like that. It's like beautiful. That. All right. <laughs> That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life. And this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast please feel free to email me at info at iamkobe.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to iamkobe.com forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Wrights for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Wow, wow, wow.